Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe Yanez and I, we dive into a few different things, including having a coach, either in CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu. I talk about my background and what coaches I've had over the years and how I was able to also coach myself leading into a professional career for the CrossFit Games, how that then carries over into my game plan for competing at the Rogue Invitational in the Legends category, which I'm super excited about. And it's all about rebuilding strength for me. So we have a new cycle starting here with NC Metcon, NCX here at NC Fit, and I'm gonna be jumping on it September 5th to rebuild my strength and get ready for the Rogue Invitational that happens at the end of October. So stay tuned for a great episode, a lot about that kind of stuff, a lot about building muscle, and just a lot of good conversation with Gabe. You know, if you like these episodes, if you like the Monday morning Cough with Kleepas, if you like these episodes with Gabe, if you like our guest episodes, simple ask. If you haven't already, would greatly appreciate a rating and review of the podcast. Definitely helps us out, lets us know what you guys are looking for. So keep crushing it in the gym, crush outside the gym, and let's get into a great episode with Gabe Giannis. Let's go. I did want to bring up this idea though. I was in the cold plunge this morning and the warm plunge. Dude, the warm plunge. And I told myself, <laughs> I said, I said, dude, I, I was almost about to put up like a social media post and tag Ryan, who's the founder of uh, Cold Plunge, and just be like, dude, I've been doing this almost daily, pretty much daily for like months. And it still has not gotten any easier. I thought it was gonna get easier in terms it of like doesn't. being in. I thought it was gonna get easier in terms of like the mental side of like, like, dude, it's it's just not getting any easier. It still feels just as good when I get out. It still feels just as good when you like, you know, kind of like build up that earned confidence because like you you kind of, it sucked and you got into it. But dude, I got to tell you, there's a lot of things in life that you start doing and it starts getting a little bit easier and easier and easier. I have not found that yet with the cold plunge. So <laughs> yeah, my, I think <laughs> you know the, the way I would explain it is it doesn't get easier in that like it, it doesn't suck any less to get in there. Like it is an absolute like just jolt of like panic and discomfort and just all sorts of like unpleasant things that you have to work through. I think what makes it quote unquote easier is you you've learned to expect that. Like I know how that feels like the first couple of times it almost like it's all that discomfort. Plus the fact that you're like, what the hell is this? Whereas now, like I like, I'm like very aware of what's going to go down when I'm in there. And also like, I'm very aware how good I'm going to feel when I get out. And it's funny because here in the summer in Texas, it's been like, it's been brutal. It's finally cooling down. But like, you know, there were days where we have to go outside and, you know, like feed the animals and stuff at seven and it's still in the hundreds. So it, it kind of got easy in that, like, I would go from like being inside comfortable in the air conditioner to cold plunging, which, you know, leaves you really freaking cold. And then I'd go and do like farm chores and stuff. And, and it would just buy me like 10 minutes of comfort in the like blazing hundred degree Texas weather. Cause I'd literally just be like, it would feel so good. Like I would just stand in front of the sun and be like, man, like nothing has felt better. So it, it that's been nice and has made it easier. Cause there's that like little reward. Um, but yeah, man, no, it doesn't get easier cause it sucks just as much, but I think you kind of come to learn that you like, you know what you're going to expect. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anyways, I've been, I've been getting into it quite a bit. Um, you know, I've been uh, like, you know, so this episode comes out on Thursday, the day after I'll be competing in um, Master Worlds for Jiu-Jitsu. And so then I've been ramping up my training. So I've been doing a, a class at our gym pretty much daily. And then in addition, getting in sparring rounds really with the mentality of like getting after it. 
And so between those two things, I've been pretty fatigued. So that's why the the cold plunge, especially in the morning, just kind of jump starts me and makes me feel a lot better as the day goes on. So I've been I've been in it a lot. Are you um like do you do you have a taper planned at all, or are you tapering already? Like, are you taking it easy next week, as in like the days right before this comes out? Um, I don't know. Uh, so today it's Thursday, the previous week, right? And I compete basically a week from today. And um, I don't know. I, I have a feeling maybe my last day of like really hard rolls, probably be like Wednesday, because unlike CrossFit, like when I started, when I was competing in CrossFit, you'd want to taper a little bit um, in terms of like, uh, well, first off, you want to try and make sure you don't get injured. So in CrossFit, I really paid attention to that, especially like two, three weeks out. I'd be careful. Like I wasn't going for one rep maxes and things like that. You're not going to get two percent. You're not going to get better in two weeks. What you're going to do is just refine. So, but if you just didn't lift a heavy weight for two weeks, that's also not good. So I would kind of taper like the, like that Monday, like if I was competing on Wednesday, I, I would kind of not do much on Monday, just kind of ride the bike, Tuesday, same thing, but pretty much leading up to, it, I'd still get after it really hard for CrossFit. I just wouldn't, I would avoid things that I thought would put me at risk of injury. For example, heavy one RM deadlifts, uh, maybe even like muscle ups or, or, or walking on my hands, anything that there was like a moderate risk. I'd avoid that for like two, two weeks ahead of it. And then, um, and then just kind of stay more like, you know, keep my, keep my conditioning dialed in, keep my strength there, but with, with, uh, not like super, super heavy in jujitsu, it's a little bit different because, uh, I mean, first off, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just kind of, I'm just, I'm just not winging it, but it's not like I've competed a bunch of times in jujitsu to know like when to taper and stuff, you know? Also, um, do and First, when you were competing in CrossFit, did you have like a single coach? Did you have someone that was like giving you like a plan and working with you on this taper leading up to it? Or were you basically, you know, by feel in your experience? And and now for jujitsu, do you have a single coach? I know you have different like, yeah. you know, really, really good athletes on the mat that you roll with on a regular basis. But do you have like a single like, hey, Jason, here's what you should be doing, what you should be working on. Here's a weakness I saw on your last match that you should be working on. Any of that? Yeah, a little bit of both. So in, in CrossFit, it was really Austin Begeving who really initially coached me, taught me a lot, a lot, a lot. And then it was just me and my feeling. You know, how am I feeling this day? What's going on? Which, which is actually a really interesting point because I think nowadays a lot of uh, CrossFit athletes have coaches. And I think that's great. But that one I, I would say they all do. They all do. Yeah. And that one-on-one -on -one coach, I think, is so great for the mental side and the athlete, whatever. Where I think it, I struggle with like a general program was that, you know, you feel different on different days. So when you have a coach and you walk into the gym and the coach could see what's going on, right? And I see this myself, right? Like I walk into the gym and I'm coaching a class. Or for example, I'm working with Mason who's competing in a major jiu-jitsu tournament. And I see that maybe he's looking a little off. I might program something that might be a little bit different than what I had initially planned because I want to have him have a successful session. Same thing with me. When I would walk into the gym, I would see how am I feeling? How's our crew feeling? And I would, I would kind of evolve that based on how we're doing. So for example, we're fired up. We're feeling good. Dude, we're going for one rep maxes. We're going for PRs. But if we walk in, the vibe's a little off. Maybe we're pretty beat up. Maybe that day you're just kind of doing something a little bit different. So you're not like basically trying to put yourself in a position where you're trying to hit a one rep max while you don't feel premium. And I know that sounds weird, but it just goes off feel. So that's what I did for years. Now, for jiu-jitsu, it's a little bit different. So I have I have coaches in different areas that really help me out. 
the thing about it is, is that I'm, um, I'm not like a one percenter in, in jujitsu. Like I have so much room to grow with my technique that if you're a black belt that's been doing it for 10, 15 years, you're going to be able to add a lot of value for me. And so we, I have multiple of those that could help me out. Whereas in CrossFit, I was at such a high level and, and frankly, probably still am at a, you know, a high enough level that it's difficult. It's easier for me to get great feedback from jiu-jitsu coaches because I'm still newer in that game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you think if you were competing today in CrossFit, and you kind of are, I know we're going to talk about you leading up to this rogue invitation, which I'm super excited for, but if you were like competing individual, like actual, you know, like, you know, chips on the line, do you think that now you would try and find like a single coach to like, you know, prescribe your training and work with individually? I think that, um, I think that if I didn't have an environment that was conducive to like really pushing myself, I, you have to have an environment that's conducive to you reaching sure. your potential. And I think that environment could come in a variety of ways. For me, that environment came from training with Neil Maddox, Garrett, Miranda, Pat, you name it, Alex, all these people every single day. So that was the environment we fostered as just a bunch of people who were just getting after it. Could it have been smarter? Probably. I mean, you have the Chris Hinshaws of the world and who came in and started really doing some great stuff for us. Today, if I wanted to make a run for the CrossFit Games, oh man, that's a tough question. If they were local, yeah, probably. If I found a local coach who I really thought was going to put me in the best position to be successful to win, I would probably have them at my training sessions and I'd probably find a coach. If I couldn't find one locally, I would then try and foster relationships with local athletes to push me. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, yeah, the it's game's a, changed though, man, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the games has changed. I think the 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 playing field has obviously changed. It's like you said before, right? Like everyone now is like working super hard, is super dedicated, is probably surrounded by training partners that are, you know, no one's out there, I think, in a silo training, you know, by themselves. So all those things are even, I think that, you know, and this is a, a very debatable topic, but you could say that, you know, having the smartest, you know, coach in your corner that really understands, you know, how to dial in your weaknesses and how to balance all the things you need to work and, you know, when you should be resting and incorporating your nutrition recovery, all that stuff. You could make the argument that that nowadays in the sport at a very high level is, is a necessity. Um, but I'm, I'm also laughing because I can see you being a, a really interesting athlete to coach. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. I think also like the, <laughs> the, the strategy side, right? So like having a coach for strategy, right. I think like Hinshaw played a, a really critical role for me with that. And then there's also this factor when you have a coach, the confidence they could build for you. So like, let's just give you an example. I was doing the burden run in the 2013 CrossFit Games, which we, we, we've talked about. It's a great event. But like having Chris come up and be like, hey, you know, Jason, I feel like you're really capable of doing, you know, a 610 mile. I need you to hit this mark. I know you could do this mark. Like having another person reaffirm your game plan and, and talk through your game plan. There's something really powerful that, especially if you have a coach who's been observing you on a daily basis for weeks, months, years, they know your capabilities just as well as you do. And so I think that's another valuable component of a coach that I think that nowadays is so critical, right? You have like Justin Medeiros and his coach. 
I imagine that they're training every single day. So he knows, oh, Justin can get 21 of these unbroken. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage him to do so. So there's that, that side too, right? Where if you're by yourself, you might not be able to game plan as well. For sure. So I know back for me with competing, I'm not going to have like a formal coach. I'm just going to take classes and crush it, you know? Sure. But I mean, it's the stakes are definitely a little different, right? So you just got your invite. You just got your invite to the rogue invitational going back to the legends category, which I have to say, man, is, is having gone to the event in person last year, it's just such a fun category. It's so cool that they do that at this event and bring back, you know, you, Rich, Josh, um, you know, some of the ladies, Margot, Kristen, Julie Fouché, like, like the people that, I don't know, at least for me, like, you know, that's when I was like in the thick of it, like when I was like living, breathing the CrossFit games, like looking forward to it coming, like watching regionals, keeping up with the athletes, like that was the crop that I was, I was watching. So it's, maybe it's just kind of a, a, a me and people that are at, you know, have been in the sport as long as I have get excited yeah. about that. Um, but it's so cool that they bring you guys back and, and have you guys throw down for a few events. Well, I want to tell you about that. So I, I'm, I'm reading the email right now. So the email from, from Rogue to me says, the goal of the 2022 Legends Showcase is to moralize you. Okay, okay. The event will consist of the following. And I, I found this to be interesting. So three to four exhibition events. Athletes will be given the events ahead of time. Programming for these competitions will have a strong emphasis on athlete enjoyment and showcase. So basically um, the event will like what I'm expected to do three to four exhibition matches with athletes will be given it ahead of time and program will be focused on strong emphasis on enjoyment and showcase, which I think is spot on for what they should be doing at the rogue event. But just to kind of question that or ask the question when they say three to four exhibition events, the first year, we had like a real, real throwdown and there was like a winner and it was like one-on-one it was individual. And who won? Well, I mean, I mean, mean, do we even have to say that one, you know, anyways, so that, that one was good. It was, it was stressful, but that was good. And then, and then, um, when it went to the diamond, uh, the, the, the new state diamond, diamond, they did more of like this, like, um, team like pretty low low key so i'm wondering now that they're mentioning it as three to four exhibition events i'm wondering if that means they're going to be individual or team because if they're going to be team couldn't they have said three to four exhibition team events like i i don't know I, i'm totally speculating here based on the email i'm just curious i have no other information by the way um nor nor should I be getting any more information. I mean, they, they spelled it out really clearly in the email about, you know, hey, you need to be here these dates, et cetera. You know what I wish they would make you guys do? I wish they would make you, if you could, if each of the legends could pick a wheelhouse event that the, the actual athletes were doing. Like if you could see all the events in advance and be like, that's the one I think I could do my best in. And they would throw you in there with like- with the individuals? The Dude, that would be so much fun. Can you imagine that? Like, it'd be so fun to see you side by side with Justin Medeiros and all of them in one workout, you know, just kind of yeah. like a fun. I, and I think it would be really cool, too, to see, you know, the power of this type of training, because I can't think of a single of the legends athletes that clearly isn't still throwing down every single day, maybe not to compete, 
but throwing down to like stay super fit, right? Like it's, it's what you do. You're taking class at NC Fit every day, not necessarily because you're like training year round for the Rogue Invitational, but because, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, keep up with your kids and you're trying to make sure that you're building a hedge for all the things that you want to do to live freely and fully outside the gym. So that would be really cool. I, you, you should put that, that request really cool. in with Bill. I might, I, I don't know. I wonder if I just like was, was there and was like, Hey, I, I want to jump into like, I don't know if they had like a grunt work style workout, I'd probably be down to throw down. If it was like, if it was like some like 30 muscle ups for time, I probably wouldn't be down to throw down. But if it was like, you know, I don't know, grab a sandbag, carry it here, ride the bike, you know, lift something heavy. I'd be like, Oh, all right. You know, maybe throw me in the mix. I don't know if they would though, because I think it's, it's, <laughs> It might skew the whole scoring system and all that stuff, but that would be cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it would have to be pre-planned and purely like an exhibition, but that would be a cool thing to witness. It would be, yeah. it would be you know, a couple of the guys and the gals, like be able to pick like, hey, I think I can do really well in this and just throw them in and see where, they, where the chips they, fall. I think at the first Rogue Invitational, I could be wrong here. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure actually it was, it was the same they had us do like two of the events that the individuals did like the same events. And, um, it was cool that, yeah. to be able to see how my time stacked up. Like the final event at the rogue invitational for the legends, the first year was like this bike. And then like you carried this sandbag, uh, something along that nature. I, I'd have to look at it, but that was the same event that, uh, the individuals did. So you were able to compare your time to what they got, which was pretty cool. So that might be a good idea too. Yeah, yeah. So given what you know now about the Rogue Invitational, which I believe is going to be end of October again, right? So yeah. you have two full months, right? Yes, all of September, pretty much all of October to kind of train and, and, and build up to that. You'll be past your, your BJJ tournament. What, are, what would you say your goals boil down to? Like what are you getting out there trying to achieve? I, well, first off, uh, I think for me, it, well, it, it's changed over the years, right? This year in particular, in particular. Last year, my goal was to look super jacked and be competitive, right? Uh, actually, that was the goal the first year too, was to look, to look good, right? Because then I would feel good, but also then to um, be competitive, meaning I don't think the goal was to necessarily win the first year. Like it was just to be competitive. Like not to look like a, like a schmuck, you know, not to look like out of shape. You know what I mean? Um, and I think this year it's the same thing. It's to be competitive and it's to look good, but also for me, it's, it's something fun to train for. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it this year because it gives me something to go test my abilities at, which is very rewarding. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing the jitsu tournament is because I've been in the gym and I'm like performing pretty well. And it's all good and well to perform well in the, in the jiu-jitsu gym. But like, you know, there's something to be said about going out there and like laying it on the line and seeing like, where do you stack up against your peers and how are you? That's what I'm looking forward to this year is rebuilding my strength in particular and seeing where I stack up compared to my peers and uh, setting that goal. And worst case scenario, just like this jiu-jitsu tournament, I'm going to be like the fittest I've been in probably, you know, a couple of years at the Rogue Invitational. I mean, that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, it'll be great. You got to look good to feel good. I pulled up the, I didn't want to get it wrong, the Deion Sanders quote we were talking about the other oh day. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. It's so good. If you look good, you feel good. 
if you feel good, you play good. And if you play good, they pay good. So good. It, that that's a really great uh, so good. Yeah, if you if you hang on. So if you look good, you play good. Play good. If you no, sorry, no, 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 no. It's if you look good, you feel good. Look good. You feel good. Feel good. Yeah. And it's if you feel good, you play good. You play good. And, and if you play good, they you pay get good. paid good. That's right. Uh I like that. That's right you know, that's like a that's like a mantra for someone like uh going into the workspace. Um yeah, so I'm gonna start uh obviously I'm gonna be taking our NC Metcon classes. You know, we have a Oli cycle starting September 5th. And for me, that's good timing because where I typically, and we've talked about this, where I, where I typically see my drop-off is I see my drop-off on um, muscle stamina. So like, you know, 135 uh, squat cleans, hang squat cleans for high rep would kind of fatigue me out. Whereas like a one rep max, it's, it's one rep max and then moderate weight, uh, high volume are the two areas I need to work on leading into the, the invitational. I've seen some drop off there. Yeah. So the, the cycle and the timing for this ended up working out really well um, in our NC met contract for anyone that doesn't, you know, follow the programming, whether you're a gym owner or an athlete, definitely, you know, this would be a great time to check it out. Uh, so week one is going to be starting, like you said, September 5th, we'll be testing the snatch and the clean and jerk. And the front squat is going to be the squat that we're using in this cycle to kind of, you know, build the, the absolute strength to make sure that, you know, you're not just working on the dynamic lifts, but you're building some strength to get out of the clean. And obviously that'll help you pull the snatch off the ground, all of that good stuff. And it's going to go for nine weeks. So I have it actually pulled up here. When is the rogue invitational? Uh, October 31st. Oh yeah. So literally or no, October like 29th or something like that. Right. So right. 31st Halloween, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the cycle is literally, so it's a nine week cycle. It's literally going to run to like the week of the 31st would be the retest of the heavy one rep snatch and clean and jerk. So week eight, that week of the 24th is going to be a deload. So, I mean, it's, it, it, we didn't do this. We didn't plan this on purpose, but this thing literally lined up perfectly to get you strong and obviously fit. You know, what I love about when we incorporate these cycles into our NC Metcom program is that, you know, we're not coming in and, you know, you're going to do a three, three, three snatch that day and then head out for the day. You know, we're incorporating in a very intelligent way. Our team does a great job at this, getting strong at the snatch, the clean and jerk in the front squat, while still making sure that you're doing some, you know, really fun and awesome Metcons to, you know, get your conditioning where you want to get to. Yeah. So I'll be doing, um, you know, it's cool. Actually, we're bringing back something here at the gym that I'm really excited about, but I want to talk about the front squat and then we can talk about the other thing. Um, I like the idea of the front squat being like the strength component. I, I like that because I think there's a ton of value in the back squat, obviously. Um, and I want to build up my back squat as well, but I like the front squat a lot because it places you in an obviously much more similar position to the clean, which is your receiving position. And I also feel like a front squat, what's nice about it, not only does it get a little bit more like anterior where you get a little bit more posterior through many movements that we do, um, but you're getting a little bit more of that vertical torso position. And what I like about it is that if you are training on your own, I, I do see it as a safer option in terms of dumping the bar, especially sure. as you're increasing loading. Now, the downside to it is the suck factor of having a bar in your throat, but there's also benefits there, right? You're, you're overcoming that discomfort. Um, if you are going to be doing front squats, something to try. This is just a quick, 
quick tip on the front squat. Oftentimes in the front squat, what you'll see is athletes will choose to go a little bit narrower, including myself. When your grip is a little bit narrower, what it does, is it kind of rounds out your upper back. If you have the ability to try and start widening out your grip a little bit to open up your chest. And what that'll do is it'll open up your chest, which opens up your upper back, which kind of keeps you in a better position to stay more vertical. So just something to think about in the front squat for anybody who's uh, going to be hitting that cycle with us. You know, one thing that I've been doing in the front squat, I, I notoriously, and I tell you this all the time, my, my front rack position is not my, not, not one of my strengths. Let's just leave you know, it at that. You hit um, that genie squat or what, dude? No, no, but I, I've actually, I mean, here's the thing. Like I've seen some bad front rack positions. Like mine isn't like that bad that literally I have to be like, you know, arms crossed. Um, yeah. I actually have been trying to, and I, I think it's been helping because it's getting easier, but at least for the lighter sets, like going full grip on the front rack and not letting go. So not going fingertips, but literally like I'm holding on to the bar with my entire hand just yeah. to like force me to open up my lats and open up that front rack a little bit more, especially when like there's actually some weight on the bar. Like I have no chance at getting like a front rack position with a PVC pipe, like literally no chance. That thing is like up by my nose, but yeah. with some weight and holding a full grip on the bar, it's just been a really good, you know, active stretch, you know, for lack of a better term, um, to get that done in, in, in the earlier reps. And another reason that I really like the front squat, um, and anyone that's, you know, experienced any sort of disc injury, um, can probably relate to this. Um, and if not definitely a reason to try it out, you know, I hurt my back on a back squat because with a back squat you can get away with some pretty sketchy technique right like you can you can go down below parallel and get that bar back up and your spine might be doing some really wonky things that can lead to some some injury the nice thing about the front squat is kind of keeps you honest right like if you're rounding your back too much like you're just going to lose the weight it's going to dump in front of you exactly yeah. yeah so when i started kind of healing from my injury and, and started squatting again you know, at first, like goblet squat is all I could do, sandbag squats, anything that had the load in front. And then when I finally reintroduced the barbell, it was like front squat that I could really do comfortably. I back squat now too a little bit, but definitely lean to the front squat a little bit more for that reason. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I want to rebuild my squat, but now that we're even talking this through, I think there's a lot of carryover for the front squat in terms of like the oily list that we're going to be doing. But yeah, I, I like the front squat for the reasons we're talking about. Now, obviously there's a disadvantage to it. We can't load it necessarily as much as the back squat. It's maybe not engaging your posterior chain as much. There's obviously reasons why the back squat's great, but the front squat comes with a lot of benefit. And if you are having a tough time getting that front rack, I mean, look, it, it just goes back into exposure. You got to get your body into those positions. You got to fight for it with light load, you know, even using a barbell, doing elbow punch throughs, using band, to open up your lat, open up your shoulders. It's really beneficial, but there's no better way to get better at front squatting than front squatting specifically at light loads to regain those positions. So if you're out there and you're having a tough time with the front squat and you have this really shitty front racks position, I get it. You might need to fight for it. Right. And then try that over time. It's not going to happen. I mean, I've watched people who try and improve their front rack for like a year. And it just takes a lot of dedication. And if you look at it, you're like, dude, it's not worth it for me. Screw it. Put the bar on your back. Let it ride. Or do a genie squat. It's all you, you know? It's a fine. Genie squat. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 not not to plug the NC Fit app and, and the collective again, but really quick. If you are a gym owner or a coach using the collective or an athlete using the NC Fit app and you're gonna follow this new Metcon cycle, 
I can guarantee you that in the athlete or coaches videos that you have access to, our coaches will have some really good tips when you do have the front squats on how to open your front squat. Like if you don't have a good front rack position, what alternatives you can do. Like that's why those videos are in there. So definitely something to check out if you either are a coach that has athletes that struggle with the front rack position or you're an athlete and you're worried about front squatting. Like there'll be alternatives there or little drills and stuff that you can do to open that up. I know there will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, something we're, I'm excited bringing back to the gym is, you know, before COVID, we did this more. And then COVID just kind of threw a big wrench in the system and so many different things that we're doing at the gym. Luckily, uh, the gyms are back on track. We have our members, our coaches, they're thriving. It's all good. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to reinstate kind of like this uh, uh, staff workout. So we're going to uh, we're gonna start doing like a once a week. We're going to start with once a week. I imagine it'll go to two or three times a week in the future where basically our staff get together and we do a workout that's either coming up at NC Fit or that workout of the day. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to, to kind of create this environment where we're just going to be all pushing it together and all the coaches working out together. We do it a little bit now, but I think we need to make it a little bit more of a, a structured thing. So, you know, uh, gym owners, I can't speak highly enough about engaging with your team on different levels. One level is obviously professional level. Another is more on like the, you know, just getting in a great workout. And it's an area that we needed to see improvement at, at NC Fit. So we're instilling it. And uh, first one starts, uh, well, we've been doing it a little bit, but the first official one starts basically this week. So that's good. Man, I miss that. And I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that obviously I can't be a part of that. Obviously, I'll, I'll, I'll get in on it as much as I can when I do visit. I, um, I took class on Saturday before I flew out. Um, and I worked out with Frankie, Emily, we all took Zach's class. Uh, I felt like I needed to go in and work out. <laughs> Does and Zach have an obnoxious, he, he is so, his, his voice projects better than any other coach I've ever, I've ever heard. Oh yeah. He commands the room. He does it. He does a great <laughs> job. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun class. I had to go in and sweat out some of the whiskey from those John Wicks the night before we had a oh good time. Gosh. We had a good time. Dude, the John Wicks. I think so for the record, there's a place, uh, nearby where we live. It's called sidecar. it's a, it's like a tavern bar, but they have good food too. But there's this drink there called John Wick that I like every now and then. And what they do is they take, it's, <laughs> it's basically an old fashioned with a little bit of bitters and they put it in a, a glass with a bullet in it. That's kind of cool. Like it adds like this John Wick character to it. And then they, they use a smoke machine. They put s smoke in it and they basically cover it. And the idea is, is that if you want it more smoky, you leave the smoke like in this cup for longer. If you don't want to smoke it, you basically open it up. So I was talking it up to the team and, uh, talking it up for like an entire week, by the way, I was, I was like talking it up for a while and <laughs> I was expecting the team to have one, you know, just <laughs> I was expecting the team to have one, but, uh, some of our team, I'm not going to point any fingers, uh, took, 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 um, I don't, ad, uh, not advantage, took uh, the opportunity to uh, c have more than one. <laughs> Maybe it was you, Gabe. Oh, Dude, man. It's been a while. I, I think, first of all, it was just, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and I know you recorded the the, the power of in-person um, coffee with Kalipa, which I really appreciated. But man, it was just so nice to be rubbing shoulders with the team and, and people that honestly, I've, I haven't seen in a long time. I haven't had that much of a good time let's say like honestly since my wedding like it's been it's been a while it was just fun but yeah after like two is just all a blur 
but dude, it was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> yeah. So the, the guy comes up to me. So we're, um, so I go to this place pretty often. I really, you know, I, I love supporting local businesses, uh, for a variety of reasons, but in particular, this, these guys, they do a good job. And so, uh, we're, we're paying the bill or whatever. And the guy's like, Hey man, I just want to let you know, you guys set a record here tonight. The most amount of John Wick's ever ordered uh because everybody loved this drink so much so we got to go back and, and do it again sometime but it is all about that in person that culture that you could connect with people and um i don't know how you were still standing but uh you were still standing and so it's all good <laughs> dude and I'd, I'd, I'd like to point out that next day we went we took the it was the 950 class it was a great workout it was um it was the one that was like a, a ladder, a pyramid of muscle ups. So it was like one, two, three, four, five, and then back down four, three, two, one. And then every round, it was two deadlifts at 315, 35 double unders, 15 sit ups. And dude, I smoked that workout. I felt great. So as soon as I like, I just, I just had to sweat out the whiskey in the warm up. And then like, it was a good workout for me. I really, really dude, it's all about it. John Wick. And so if anybody ever wants to come to Los Gatos, California, Go to a place called Sidecar Modern Tavern. And then after that, after you hit your John Wick, actually across the street is access to one of my favorite places to go rucking. So, you know, uh, typically on, on some weekends, what I'll do is I'll go ruck uh, either by myself or with the family. And then afterwards, they actually have a great brunch at that place too. So, you know, yeah, that was a lot of fun though. I'm, I'm, was, I'm looking forward to having you guys come back out. It was a lot of fun. Maybe too much fun, but it was yeah. a lot of fun. But dude, uh, yeah, so got the jiu-jitsu tournament coming up. One of the things I have been doing um, I, for, for anybody who is interested, we will be talking about the Rogue Invitational and training for that over the upcoming weeks. But one of the things for the uh, jiu-jitsu tournament that I've been doing is trying to just place myself in the most competition setting as I can. And this is something that obviously I learned through competing in CrossFit is you know, mentally and physically trying to mimic the feeling that I'm going to get. And you can't always mimic exactly, right? Because your the tensions are going to be higher the emotions are going to be higher it's going to be more stressful but basically for me um i just looked i have 30 uh 32 people no 36 in my bracket which is quite a few i mean that's a lot of people so if you want to win which i want to you have to fight five times and each fight is five minutes and so it'll be like five minutes on 15 minutes off or 10 minutes off five minutes on 10 minutes off five minutes on 10 minutes off and so i tried to mimic some of that training um like yesterday for example i did five fives and um you know so that's that's the way i've been preparing for it is like looking at what the what is the what is the competition going to be like and how can i prepare myself as best as possible leading up to it including doing things like you know when you're tired getting up tying your belt what's going to happen with the rule set and learning all those type of things so you know, whatever I'm going to get myself into, I want to try and learn what the rule set is. What am I going to expect? And then how do I train for it? So it's not as unexpected when I get there. And that goes for a, you know, half marathon or a jujitsu tournament. I'm excited to hear how it goes. Well, um, I, I guess when we record next week, you still wouldn't have done it. So we'll, we'll have to wait two weeks to kind of get the full recap. Yeah. And look, man, like I'm also that guy. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try and put my best position, put, put myself in the best position to win. I'm going to try and go put in the hard work. Um, but ultimately like the cards fall where they fall. And I'm more than happy to talk about how it goes on a podcast online, whatever. Um, 
Because I, I think that there's something about, like, if you're going to embody this idea of effort over everything, if you're going to embody, like, this idea of talking about getting uncomfortable and then not back it up with action, I think that's unfortunate. So this is an example of me trying to get uncomfortable. And through that experience, I'm going to learn something about myself. And uh, win, lose, draw, whatever, I'll talk about it here. Like, it's not like we're never going to talk about this again if I don't do as well as I want because. Oh, I wouldn't let you do that. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, obviously, you know, with the, with the win, I might talk about it for the next year or two. But uh, I can confirm that that's very true. Hey, remember that time I, you know, no. <laughs> exactly. He think, but you it, think, you think he's kidding? He's not. No, but it is. It, it is so important, man. That if you, you know, th there's always something. Like if you create these pylons, like if you create these goals, that there's always something you're gonna get out of it. So I, I'm glad that I have this. Then I have the rogue invitational, and then obviously I'll identify the next one after that. Yeah, man, that's um, that's cool. I can't wait to hear about it. And I'll be at the Rogue Invitational. Super lucky that that event has moved, hopefully permanently, to my backyard here in in, in Texas in Austin. Um, Liz and Chandler. Uh, so Liz, who handles our social media, she's been on the podcast before. She's going to come down, stay in the airstream. Um, always fun to have those two here. So we'll we'll make a fun little weekend out of it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. Yeah. In the upcoming weeks, we'll keep you guys posted on this podcast, but. I have a lot of travel and a lot of uh, exciting events lined up that I'll just share with people. Um, I'm going and doing some things for the, um, uh, you know, special response teams for Customs and Border Patrol, which will be cool. Um, I'm, I could talk about it. I don't know what I could show, but I could talk about it. Um, so I'll be able to go learn a lot from that experience and bring it back to you guys and just share like, hey, this is what I learned. Um, got some stuff going on in Vegas. And uh, yeah, I'll just keep you guys posted. So stay tuned to the podcast for the next, you know, you know, couple months actually we'll have some exciting stuff going on for sure for sure um cool man well uh, before we wrap up though you know talking about your goals and all really exciting stuff but just a, a so a quick update you know we've talked about this before i'm trying to put on some muscle put on some weight um and i'm actually really I, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied John Wick's help or what <laughs> so we can talk about that too because i i've been pretty satisfied with Kind of everything going quote unquote according to plan so I, i'm not sure how much detail we went into as to kind of what i've been trying to do but when we got back from our trip in europe that was like mid-june i was at 176 and my goal was to get up to 190. the the way i wanted to do that though just based on like yeah. how like how long i've been training and like you know like how easy and difficult it is for me to like put on muscle I probably shouldn't be gaining more than like, you know, 0.8 pounds a week, ideally. Yep. Like I should be finding like a level of macros that yes, is helping me put on weight. But if you're putting on too much too fast, the problem is you're going to be putting on a lot of fat because muscle is very difficult to build. Fat is a lot easier to gain. So you can, you know, stuff your face 4,000, 5,000 calories a day, and you're definitely going to put on weight and put on weight quick. But what are you putting on? So I've been trying to kind of find this balance between, sure, I'm probably gaining fat and muscle, um, but trying to make that ratio a little bit more favorable. And right now I'm at 185. So it's been nine pounds in what's been like just over 10 weeks, like 10, 11 weeks, um, probably a little faster than ideal, but that's been going according to plan pretty good. And the week I was in California, I tried to count macros like the first day and it was just a pain in the ass. I just, just like this week, I'm not going to do it. But the really interesting thing, I think, about like becoming more in tune with what you're eating and measuring your food, because I, I, I do agree that regardless of what your goal is, it's not like sustainable to you're going to live the rest of your life 
you know, putting food on a scale before you, before you eat it. But I think you learn enough that, you know, you become pretty intuitive to what you need based on your goals. And one thing that I've gotten really into as of late, and I think that it's, it's beneficial for people to think about this, their nutrition this way, because I feel like a lot of people listening are kind of in a place similar to maybe where I found myself earlier this year, which is, you know, I've worked out for a really long time and I just felt that aesthetically, I still wasn't where I wanted to be. And in order to, you know, put on the muscle that I wanted to put on, it, it, it goes beyond, well, just eat clean and work out. Like this idea of periodizing your nutrition and going through cycles where you're gaining and cycles where you're cutting can actually be super, super beneficial. Because if you're just trying to, you know, what they call, you know, lean gain and just kind of do that slowly, it could be really drawn out and really tough to do. So this approach of like, hey, I'm going to gain until I get to 190 and then I'm going to cut back and, you know, cut until I get to what should at the end of all this be like a nice lean gain and, and help my body composition get closer to what I ideally want to look like because that's my goal. Um has been pretty promising and, and pretty interesting. And I, I've learned a lot. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I have, I'm going to go till the end of September. So I have five more weeks to get to that 190, um, which it's tough. Like I, it was easier to gain in the beginning, but once I get to 185, I start to really plateau. Like that tends to be where like, I really have to like eat and like uncomfortable amounts of food for me at least. Um, so we'll see. But either way, come October, I'm going to have to, you know, stop and, and really kind of cut the food back. And I, I want to, like, I, I usually feel better, lighter, um, but I want to, you know, see if I can put on some muscle before I start cutting. Dude, I'm all for it, man. And then share insight here and hopefully give some feedback for people who want to be able to do the exact same thing and just share from experience. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a learning experience, man. I think you, you, you become so much better at also just understanding, like I can go out to eat now and which we did a lot when I was in California, you know, we were getting lunch out and stuff and really kind of like look at what I got and have a pretty good understanding of how that fits into, okay, what do I need the rest of the day to be at least consistent? Um, so I think if, if anything else, it's, it's a really powerful learning experience that allows you to be surgical with your nutrition without necessarily having to cut foods out, which I know can be tough for a lot of people. For sure. Yeah, it's just awesome, man. I think it's just a give and a take. My nutrition could get dialed in. So starting September 5th, or no, the day, like starting like early September, I'll start working my nutrition to to drive in those results that I want to do for the Rogue Invitational. And it's just something I want to do, right? When we were on that EOE 40, I got pretty damn lean. Um, I, I, I'd like to get, just as lean, if not leaner this time around. So we'll, we'll, I'll keep you posted on, on what nutrition factors like that one. I was just doing meat and some fruit. I don't think I'm going to go that route, but we'll see what I do this time. Cool. And it'd be good to all share. Good. All good, brother. Well, Hey, um, yeah, for anybody listening, really always appreciate you guys checking it out. Make sure you guys are checking out those Monday Kafa Kalipas this last week. Actually, I, we, uh, I shared one about this idea of like, um, uh, uh, what did I call it? Um, uh, accumulating like a compounding fitness, I called it, which is something that I just been on my mind because, uh, Kaden and I, we, we go out and we throw the ball for like 30 minutes a day and it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you do that every day or five days a week for, you know, months, years, 
my skills have significantly improved. And so it's just motivation for other people who have a skill in mind they want to do to just think about as compounding interest. Even if you do it for 20, 10, 30 minutes a day, that was uh, the last cop with Kleepa. So make sure you check those out. Make sure you check out all of our different episodes. And as usual, if you could leave us a rating, leave us a review for the podcast, definitely helps us out. Gives us an idea of what you guys are looking for for the future. So rating, review, and uh, Gabe, keep putting on that muscle. And I hope everybody else keeps uh, charging hard and has an awesome week.